0: Hello and welcome to The Rockcast. This is the podcast home for our sermons at the Redemption Outreach Center. I'm Pastor Shane, and I am elated that you're here with us today. And I just pray this, that whatever words are said or things that you hear, Are truly an inspiration that the Holy Spirit works through the words and the things that you're hearing that it would inspire you to draw closer to God to explore your faith to dig deeper to build stronger foundations so that ultimately you could become more like Christ and you can be the church that God has called all of us to be I hope you enjoy the message You can go ahead and get your Bibles ready while I'm fighting with this. Proverbs chapter 27 is where we're going to park today. I am excited, and I have been. I say that all the time, and I mean it with everything I've got. I'm excited about the Word. I'm excited about this series because I know that my cleverness, my craftiness, my wit really doesn't matter because I get to lean on the Scripture. I get to lean, in this case, I get to lean on King Solomon's wit. His sort of cleverness, his illustrations, and we'll have some that we'll mix in here too. But today, we're going to continue this series of Ways of the Wise. Now, last week, Pastor Don did an excellent job setting us up, getting us started. He discussed an orderly life. We started in the beginning of Proverbs, and I love the illustration he used about, do you feel like sometimes in your life you're trying to put things together with duct tape? Do you feel like it? Like your life is being held together just by some duct tape. It's all right. He knows where he's going. <laughs> He'll ask for help if he needs it. Don't you feel like that sometimes? You, at least for me. I feel like I've said it a couple times. I feel like like I'm building a house of cards. And it's like at any moment, just the wrong bump of the table or or if I sneeze while I'm trying, to, right? I feel like it's all going to come crumbling down. But we said... Seeking Proverbs and the uh, ways of the wise, well, I need God to hold it together. I need his wisdom, right? And wisdom is in the beginning of Proverbs, we read that knowledge begins with a fear of God. We know knowledge applied is wisdom, and we get to lean on wisdom that comes from the Holy Spirit, not from us, not from man-made cleverness. Man-made maxims or idioms or, or not even man-made proverbs, because we believe this was inspired by the Holy Spirit. And so that was last week. We talked about an orderly life, and do you want your life held together with duct tape or the Holy Spirit? You want God being the one who lines things up and orders it, and that's what I want, right? We talk about, we've talked about in the past when we try to do something and we try to reward ourselves. It's never, ever, ever as good as if God rewards us. I want God to put my life together and help me. All right, Holy Spirit, lead me so I would know. And that's why I'm telling you, I know for some of us, it's new territory. But even in this time we had a worship, I'm just, I need to challenge you to dig in a little bit. We talked about it on Wednesday, very briefly, just, you know, the, the stealing the Tar Heels sort of concept. And I don't know. history as well as i should but pastor josh when i moved down here he told me a little bit about it just the 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 whole concept of the tar heels and being unmovable like dig in dig your heels in can we do that in the spiritual sometimes and that's why i'm challenging you even in the worship and i promise i'll get to the word i'll keep track of the time don't you worry don't you worry i know we got the super bowl going but i feel like when's don't tell me what time because then maybe i'll take longer. Uh, I feel like it's so important that we dig in sometimes. We're in such a rush. I know I am. I am. I'm always in a rush. And, you know, ways of the wise, we're using, you know, street signs as our analogy. I'm always in a hurry. I don't know why. It's just the way I'm wired. When I'm in the car, to me, if the speed limit's 45, you should go 45. It didn't say 40. It said 45. I'm going to take every mile per hour I can get because I'm just always in a hurry. But I feel like the Holy Spirit's working on us, even today, to dig in. Don't be in a rush. It's not about a religious ritual of checklist. Okay, we did one song. Now we can move to this. Check, check. No, no, no. Can we just throw the agenda out the window and just say, God, I need you now? Right? God, I need you now. I I don't need another platitude, like Zach was saying. I don't need another platitude. I don't need another cute saying. I need God. Right? Amen. right? Amen. And you know he's available to us. We have access to him. The problem is we're just always such in a hurry. We totally miss all the signs he's trying to give us. We, we, we miss it all. We don't hear him because we're too busy talking ourselves. We won't be quiet long enough. I know I'm treading on territory we've covered. But I just want to encourage you. Could you just dig in? And just say, God, go ahead, interrupt my agenda. I love it. Wednesday, I had no intention. We had no intention of how that night was going to go. I praise God for it, and I'll tell everybody about it. Wednesday, you know, we were discussing the Holy Spirit. Didn't even get to the lesson because the Holy Spirit wanted to be the instructor that night. That's truly how I feel about it. Uh, And we just had an awesome time of prayer, and the Holy Spirit moved. And those that were praying could experience what it's, it felt and is to be led by the Holy Spirit. Because I didn't give direction on who to pray what, when. It, Holy Spirit led. And it was amazing. The things that were prayed for. The things that were said. Lining up biblically with what. There were people repenting. I didn't tell anybody to repent. So I can't even take credit for none of it. I didn't tell anybody to repent on Wednesday. Holy Spirit moved on people who were repenting. And then people started giving praise for things that God had done in their life. I didn't tell them to do that. I can't take credit for that. Holy Spirit must have told them and led them on what to, to say and pray. Right? Amen. So excuse me if I just take a little too long for an introduction because I just need God. Amen. Amen? I just need God. I, I, I want to be like you know King David where just like, yes, I'll look like a fool if it means I get to be in his presence. Amen? Amen. All right, you're in Proverbs 27, I trust. I'll tell you when to stand here in a moment. Let me look at my notes, figure out where I'm supposed to go now. All right, well, you know, our inspiration for this whole series comes from the book of Proverbs. And I shared a little bit about that last week before Pastor Don had come up on just the uniqueness of the book of Proverbs. It was literally written for a classroom setting. In a sense, because Solomon is writing to the son or sons, which was intended to to be for instruction. It was intended to be instruction on how to have a well-ordered life, how to live with wisdom from God. That's our inspiration. But I need to help you in navigating Proverbs in your own study. And I promise we'll get to preaching, but I need to lay this groundwork here. Because the book of Proverbs is unique from any other book. And in the sermon today, we'll, we'll continue to, to take some tidbits out of it. But Proverbs isn't meant to be read like this. It isn't meant to be read like a story from the his, like we would read from other historical books in the Bible. It's not meant to be read in cycles of debate like Job where he's going back and forth between his friends and between God. It's not intended to be read like poetry or a progressive argument like Ecclesiastes, or a symbolic insight like the prophets, or even for doctrinal goals like the epistles, here's how it should be read. Slowly, ponderingly, and meditatively. Now, if you're anything like me, I am so impatient. I already said that, right? I'm so impatient, I had to get to it early. I'm in a hurry. I wanna move. I want, come on, next thing on the agenda. But yet when we get to Proverbs, see, cause like if I read another book of the Bible and there's a story, I read it really fast. Cause I'm like, ooh, let me read the whole story and then I'll go back. But I like, get me through the story. I wanna know the end. But Proverbs, and just like I said, we gotta dig in. We gotta dig in and you have to go through it slowly and ponder what is the proverb speaking to me, and then meditate on it. And so today will be a little bit different. I mean it already has in some senses, but it'll be different because we're gonna we're gonna take it slowly, we're gonna ponder what the scripture says, just a little at a time, and then we will pray and meditate on it and let it apply to our lives. And doing that strengthens the spirit of a person. It allows us to ingest and digest the spirit for spiritual growth and even for our mental recall to make us more wise. There are 31 chapters of Proverbs. Some pick one each day and they'll use a month. Don't choose February, there's only 28 days. But some will pick one chapter a day and they'll read through the 31 chapters. But let me encourage you to do this. Here's some questions to ask. This is all practical application for you. The book of Proverbs is intended to be practical instruction. So here's some practical questions for you to apply and ask as you meditate and read through scripture. You should ask what does the proverb say? Now, there are a number of great free commentaries that you can find online. Bible Hub and BibleTools.com, I believe, are two that are, are readily available. Don't cost you anything. But I encourage you, as you go through, seek, read some of these commentaries on, on theologians and sort of their take. Don't get too hung up in what they say as gospel. But go ahead, and read some of the commentaries and, and meditate on what does the proverb say. What does it mean? Another question is, how can I apply these words of wisdom? And then just simply pray this. Holy Spirit, will you quicken the truths of this proverb throughout the day? That's your practical help. I would be failing you as a pastor if I didn't give you and equip you with practical ways to approach the book of Proverbs. And there it is. So getting into this. The book of Proverbs, they're short statements for us to learn wisdom. I love it too because if you if your Bible has multiple columns, you can see a lot of the lines almost make it just on one column. They're very short, very sweet, very to the point. And so that's the approach that we're going to take. But if you have your Bible's Proverbs chapter 27, I'm going to read verse 13. If you'll stand with me in reverence to God's word. We'll read this together and pray one last time, though the Holy Spirit would just lead us in this time together. Verse 17, my favorite, here we go. As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. That, could, that sums up the whole thing. We're going to read a whole lot more, but I figured I'd just give you everything in one verse right there. As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Can we pray together one last time? Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus, I pray the Holy Spirit would move in this place, God. You would just cast aside anything of, of shame, anything of myself, God, and let your scripture, your message, your word to the people pierce through, God. I pray that we would glean wisdom from your scripture, God, that your Holy Spirit would guide us, direct us, that we would live in wisdom that comes from you, God, that we would have a well-ordered life, we would learn how to apply wisdom in the different areas of life that we'll be covering, God, even today as we begin to look at relationships, God, I just pray your Holy Spirit would be with us, guide us, help us to glean wisdom, Lord, in the name of Jesus, amen. You could be seated. I chose Proverbs 27 specifically because 16 of the 27 verses in here deal with relationships. Last week, we talked about an orderly life. Today, we're going to dig into relationships. How many of you know we got Valentine's coming up? In case you forgot, guys... Better go ahead, get you, get the flowers ready or the chocolates ready or whatever it is that your, your Valentine likes. Go ahead, I'm warning you now. I'm giving courtesy call here. Go ahead after service, not now, and line all that up so you can take care of your Valentine. But I wanted to broaden it, not just to you and your Valentine. I want to broaden it to relationships. Because as scripture just, we just read, as iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. We're going to dig into relationships here. We're going to take this a couple verses at a time. I know this might seem different, but it's going to be all right. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's going to be all right. Now All right. No, I'm just making sure everybody's with me. All right. I'm going to start with verse 1. I want to read through a few things. I'm just going to read through a few verses here, starting in chapter, uh, chapter 27 is where we are. Verse 1. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. Let another man praise you and not your own mouth, a stranger and not your own lips. A stone is heavy and sand is weighty, but a fool's wrath is heavier than them both, than both of them. Verse 4, wrath is cruel and anger a torrent, but who is able to stand before jealousy? We're going to dig in here for a minute. And I promise I'm, I'm preaching because I, I'm in... I'm, Through the Holy Spirit, my goal is to inspire you to recall these things, to meditate on these things this week. But the very first part we have to look at, verse 1, the wisdom that we need to learn for healthy relationships. Verse 1, do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. Verse, uh, Romans chapter 15 says it this way, if you, like me, like to connect Old Testament, New Testament, I try to do it all the time, but if you want to connect the dots here now out of the New Testament, Romans chapter 15 verse 17 says this, therefore, and this is the Apostle Paul speaking, therefore I have reason to boast in Christ Jesus regarding what pertains to God. For I would not dare say anything except what Christ has accomplished through me by word and deed for the obedience of the Gentiles. So my question to get you thinking is, do you boast about the Lord to your friends? Do you give God credit for anything good in your life? I mean, We, we seem to not have a problem with giving Satan all kinds of credit things right so he's was fighting me this week and you know he might have been but the holy spirit was fighting for you too all week do we give do we give god credit for anything good i'm guilty too look y'all this is i'm pointing this right back at myself do i give god credit for anything good in my life or am i just boasting of things and i don't think for any of us here i don't think any of it's facetious or you know malicious in any way. You're not trying to bring somebody down and boasting. I'm encouraged when you tell me the good things going on in your life, but here is the challenge. If we're to follow the ways of the wise, if we're to be wise, make sure God is the one who gets the credit. Tell everybody. You've you've probably noticed. I've been saying that a lot lately. I am holding on to that. I will tell everybody. I will be a living witness. I will testify. That's what a witness does, no good if a witness keeps it to themselves. I will testify of the things that God is doing. Just make sure everyone knows it's God who's doing it. Are you with me? Make sure as you're saying, man, this I just got this you know, lump sum of money that did this or whatever. Okay, Get, make sure God gives, gets the credit. You do a good job at work. And they're like, man, you crushed that presentation or whatever. You better give God credit. It's only by God's grace that he saw fit to help me string the words together the way I should, because the Lord knows without him, I'd be saying everything backwards and out of sync and out of line. Anybody relate to this? Come on. I will give God credit, and this is the practical application for us. It's so easy. I did it. I even did it yesterday where I I said something. I was talking to my brother, getting him lined up and make sure he was good, and and I'm so glad that he's with us. But I was sort of telling him about some some accomplishments in my life and some things that have been happening, and it truly is because of the grace of God. I was telling you about some of the, the financial stuff that I've been working on. And you know, I was convicted after because I just didn't make it explicitly clear that God is the one who saw fit to allow any of that to happen. Amen. Amen. You see how simple I was just talking to my brother. Thank goodness it's just my brother, because I feel like I would have let the Lord down, especially more if I would have been talking to somebody, maybe that's not my brother, right? Do you, you see this, ways of the wise? I love it. These are short, succinct statements that carry a whole lot of weight to give us true wisdom from the Holy Spirit, true wisdom from God. And so I just will ask one last time, do you boast about God to your friends? Do you give God credit for anything good in your life? Mm. Brother Matt, if you've got uh, that, one of the slides, there's a sign that you see when you're driving. It should be the first one. It's do not enter. Appreciate Matt being back there helping us out on slides. He did a great job. I was reading the words and singing with you guys. Um, I think it's after the title slide to the right, one of those. There should be a number of of other slides. If he gets to it, awesome. If not, but when you're driving down the road, I just want to help you connect with illustrations because King Solomon does throughout. He relates wisdom to like a, to a woman, uh, cause he's talking to boys. He wanted to get their attention. Amen. Uh, anyway, King Solomon saw fit to use illustrations. I want to as well, but there's one of them up there. Look at all these signs. You recognize these We're almost there. Probably was the one all the way left unless I moved it. But it's all right. But when you're driving, has anybody seen this sign? Has anybody been on the road that this sign is displayed on? No, don't answer that. You ever see headlights coming at you on the highway when you're like, wait a minute. I'm, a, uh-uh. not, I'm not shouldn't see headlights coming this way. Let's relate that here. The, the scripture says, do not boast about tomorrow. You do not know. So one thing you don't know, God, you know, you don't know what what's going to happen. You, you brag about well, all these plans. What's the joke? Why right? Replan and God laughs. You don't know. But where it is OK to boast is in the Lord. Give God all the credit and then go ahead. Tell everybody. Tell everybody. But do not enter this area of boasting in and of yourself. And before you just write this off like it doesn't apply, I gave you the application and sort of the illustration with Zach and I. I wasn't trying to boast about myself. It was a humble, innocent, but see how that can happen in our lives. I need to give God all the credit. I need to be mindful of that. But here's another aspect here. Verse 2, let another man praise you and not your own mouth. Okay. A stranger and not your own lips. There's another aspect here to glean wisdom from areas that we should not enter. When you're driving down this road of life, do not enter when it comes to boasting, and do not enter when it comes to completely dominating a conversation. Some of you laughing and smiling at me. (laughs) I would ask are you a good listener? Do you remember what people tell you? Now, I have a horrible memory. So I try to like really focus on a nugget that I can take from what they're saying so I can run with it. I can pray for them. But I would ask you are you bearing anyone's burdens in any way? There's only so much that we can actually do for people, right? They tell us of all the, you know, all that's going on in their life and we're moved with compassion and we feel bad. And so we know there's only so much we can do. But you know what you can do? Listen. It doesn't cost you anything but time and attention. You can listen. Dale Carnegie wrote this. I like this. I was looking through one of the books on, on our, our bookcase. This book is called How to Win Friends and Influence People. Dale, Car- Dale Carnegie, and I believe it was Eleni who even underlined this, and so I love looking through books and kind of seeing where she's taking notes and, and maybe this just for me. But, she, but Dale mentions this in his book. He says, if you want to know how to make people shun you and laugh at you behind your back and even despise you, here's the recipe. Never listen to anyone for long. Talk incessantly about yourself. If you have any other ideas while the other person is talking, don't wait for him or her to finish. Bust right in and interrupt in the middle of the sentence. That does sound like a recipe for disaster. Why do I even Why do I even go here? This is wisdom in relationships. If you're dominating in a conversation and you don't ever take the time to listen, and more specifically, empathetically listen, like you're really trying to to be moved with the emotion that they're moved, then we cheat ourselves out of a genuine relationship. We're hurting our brother or sister by not being there for them and listening to them. You see how simple this is? I I pray all the time to God. I'm like, God, I don't know how I can help with some of these needs that I I hear. And I'm like, wow, these things seem so big. And it's like, this doesn't cost you anything but time and attention. Could you sacrifice that much for your brother or sister to listen and just be there and just, iron sharpens iron, so one sharpens another, another. Unless we refuse to listen, it's simple. Proverbs, these are simple excerpts for us, but they are so weighty. They're so powerful if we just take them to heart. Areas that you should not enter would be boasting. And it would be not listening. It's so easy. Conversation's a two-way street. How many know people that don't know that? Right? You ever talk to somebody, you're like, you know, oh, it's good talking to you. What? Yeah, good for you talking to me. I don't think I said anything. <laughs> anyway, all right, I'll move on. I can tell I'm, I'm stepping on some toes. But there's areas we should not tread, do not enter, ways of the wise. Proverbs is, is literally signs for us, like you've got got up here, signs for you. That's just some areas that you need to self-reflect this week. All right, let's continue. Verse 4. Wrath is cruel and anger a torrent, but who is able to stand before jealousy? Let me read this fable because I think it will nail the illustration for you. There's a fable that Satan's agents were failing in their various attempts to draw into sin a holy man who lived as a hermit in the desert of North Africa. Every attempt had been met with failure. So Satan, angered and frustrated with this, decides to get personally involved in the case. He said, the reason you failed is that your methods are too crude for one such as this. He says, watch this. He then approached the holy man with great care and whispered softly in his ear, your brother has just been made bishop of Alexandria. Instantly, the holy man's face showed that Satan had been successful. A great scowl formed over his mouth and his eyes tightened up. Envy, said Satan, is often our best weapon against those who seek holiness. Mm. Matt, if you've got the next slide, there's a detour sign. What the proverb is saying here, wrath is cruel and anger a torrent, but who is able to stand with, before jealousy? Wrath is bad enough. Anger is bad enough. Jealousy takes it to a whole new level. How many know? I'll, I'll just say, I have acted like a fool sometimes when I've gotten mad. Has anybody ever done that? Has anybody known anybody who's done that? Sorry, I forget. Has you know anybody who's ever acted a fool when they got upset? Well, the Scripture's saying that if you're if you're jealous, it's even worse. Not only do you have this sort of anger that you're wrestling with, but it takes it farther. It makes you take detours even farther than you intended to go. It makes you act even more foolish than you would have. How many see this sign on the road and you just get angry? I didn't want to take this detour. Why did you have to close that road on this path, right? There's only so many roads that get us around down here. Because it's all these, you know, diagonal, curvy back roads, it feels like, to get everywhere. Why you got to close that road? Why do I got to go on a detour? Well, let me tell you, jealousy is like that detour in your life. It is poison to you trying to seek holiness and go after God. But the problem is we fall prey to it too easily. We get we get. Our, our feathers ruffled because so-and-so is being blessed. And in our opinion, well, I, I feel closer to God than that person. Why is God blessing them? I, Oh, somebody, I'm telling you, I don't mean to smash anybody's toe today. I'm sorry. I hope you wore your steel toe shoes. Jealousy is poison. I've been on both ends of it. I've been on both ends. I'm not holier than now. I've had my mistakes where God has had to humble me, and sometimes where I felt like that little ant, which is also referenced in Proverbs 6 in different contexts. But I felt like that ant at times where God's like, He's got to squish me. He said, Get your act together. And then I've been on the other side too, though, where people have, have, have acted in jealousy towards me. It's poison either side of it, it's poison. And that's what the proverb here is getting across. So what do you do with your jealousy? Well, you take it to God. Admit it. Right? What did they say? Like the first step is like admitting you have a problem, right? No, no, no. For real, take it to God and be honest. God, I know this is wrong. I, I am upset because it's, it's like Brother Jonathan read from Psalms 73 last week or, or from Asaph. I love it because he saw all the people around that were wicked and they were being blessed. And he's like, What on earth, God? What? How are you gonna bless all of them? How are you gonna do that? Don't we relate to that sometimes? But be careful. Don't let that poison your heart and be a detour because I'm telling you, it takes you places you just don't want to go. It takes you on a detour. You thought you were going to take, you know, a half hour to get there. Uh-uh, it's going to take you way longer because you had jealousy in your heart and God will not allow that. That's he, he don't want that in his presence. He doesn't want that. So he's gonna, you're going to go on a detour that's self-inflicted because you wouldn't give your jealousy over to God. Can you boast about God for someone else's blessing? Isn't that, done? that? You know, we started in verse 1 and 2 where we're like, okay, we can boast, Romans 15, we can boast in the Lord for what he's done, but will you boast in the Lord for what he's done for somebody else? While you're still waiting for your blessing. If not. You might need to read this verse 4. Because you might have early stages. Of this nasty cancer called envy. I know it's heavy. I know it's simple. The Proverbs are short, sweet, to the point. Solomon saying it like it is. And I hope that all of us are being open and receptive to what the Spirit wants to speak to the church. God, I don't want to be caught in this. I've been in this. I, I've, I've had these, and I, the Holy Spirit has to restrain me and make sure I say what, I can, what I'm able to say. But I've had conversations with people who were jealous Of me and would interfere in ways that just broke my heart would jump into situations to 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 try and sabotage something for my family and having to say the words, what have I done to you to make you hate me this much? That's a nasty place to be, regardless of what side you're on. So can we give it to God? When, when you start to have those emotions rise up, you're like, man, you hear somebody just getting something else, another blessing. And, and please don't think, don't be holier than thou. We, we can relate to this. You're like, man, they just, they've got another blessing. And in your mind, you don't feel like maybe they deserve it. But who are we? Like God said to Job, where were you when I flung the stars into space? Who made you so high and mighty to know who I should and shouldn't bless? Can we boast in the Lord as he's blessing someone else? I want to challenge you to do that. Verse 5. Only, only a few, few more things we'll get through. Verse 5. Open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed. Verse 5 and 6, they sort of are related because they deal with proper forms of rebuke. An open rebuke is better than approval, which remains mute and ineffective. If you've got the next sign up there, I think, yes, speed bump ahead. Nailed it. Thank you, Brother Matt. How many like speed bumps? No, I can't stand those suckers. I wish we could just cut those right out. I'll slow down if you just get rid of the stupid speed bump, right? But I appreciate the sign. Because I would rather approach a speed bump with a sign that says there's a speed bump than hit a really nasty pothole. If you ever hit a really nasty pothole and you're like, you're just about needing to repent because you almost just swore at it because you're like, oh my Lord, what just happened to my car? I feel like it's about to travel in pieces now. I would rather the speed bump, as much as I don't like it, I would rather the speed bump if there's warning, if there's a sign, here we go. Ways of the wise, hidden love and rebuke is just like the speed bump. If you hide your love, it's kind of like that, that nasty pothole that's just there. It's There's no warning. But an open rebuke is like the speed bump with a warning. You've got the sign. If you love someone, first of all, I would just say don't keep it. Just don't. Don't feel obligated to like keep that to yourself can you tell somebody that you love them can you encourage them can you do that can you also love them enough to kindly and gently help them when you see them headed for a cliff can you can you be like I I love you enough to tell you I see that this is is a potential area you're heading and give them that open rebuke in love. Can you do that? See, the problem is we struggle with that in our relationships because we can't take it. You might be able to dish it out. You might have trouble taking it. So please remember this proverb. Let the Holy Spirit work in you that you could be open to some correction in love. I need God to direct me. I need Him to. I need an open rebuke sometimes. Amen? I need God to do that because, I, I mean... I would rather get some open rebuke, get some warning, a sign before the bump, rather than God need to humble me and squish me like an ant. Amen? Amen. All right, verse seven, we'll move quickly, almost, almost home. Verse seven, "A satisfied soul loathes the honey, honeycomb, but a hungry soul, but to a hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. There's one last sign that I'd like to share up there, dead end. And why do I share that? Well, this scripture is talking about, you know, a satisfied soul. If you are completely full, it don't matter what you slide in front of me. It could be the most delicious cake, the most delicious Parker's barbecue, since everybody loves that down here, or uh, Kim's barbecue, or it don't matter what you put in front of me. If I've already stuffed myself I don't want it I love you I don't want it I'm full I can't take anymore okay but now if I'm starving I haven't eaten and who knows how long I'm desperate I don't have two nickels to rub together I just need a meal it don't matter what you slide in front of me now I'm gonna gobble it down amen If I'm really that hungry. So what is scripture? So, okay. What is the proverb here? Verse seven. I know I told you this was strange, but we're taking this the way that I believe the Holy Spirit wants and intended for the message to come across. Verse seven, he's saying that we are to have empathy and compassion for that situation, for that scenario. I'll give you an illustration here in my own life where somebody had said something about I was getting to, getting to know a guy, and, and he doesn't know all of sort of the loss that I've been through. Uh, and so he made a comment about his dog dying and, and just said that, you know, man, that was the hardest thing my family's ever been through. And in the moment, in the carnal flesh, I remember just thinking, like, I wish that was the hardest thing I had to go through. And that was wrong of me. That was wrong of me. Because he didn't know of my context, he didn't know of all the things I had gone through, and I didn't know all the things that he had gone through. For him and his family, it was literally the first time any of his children had experienced any kind of loss. No one had died in the family yet. This was their first experience of death. Okay, having some context, I feel bad for the thoughts that I had. I understand for your kids that was probably the hardest thing and as a parent you you feel for your kid. But see how empathy right here verse 7 is empathy is what King Solomon is trying to teach to his sons. Empathy is critical because some people are on a dead end road and they're realizing it and they're turning around. Not everybody's on the expressway of life cruising in their blessings. But will you have the empathy to care for the people that may have had these detours or maybe they're on a dead end road and they realize it. And so they're taking a little longer to get back onto the highway because they got veered off. GPS decided to take them on some weird route. They decided to recalculate because they missed an exit. But, you, you know, you didn't. Do you can you have empathy for them? Can you minister to them? Can you love on them? In that context, that's to me, that's what verse seven is trying to teach us. Can you have empathy? Understand and feel for these other people. Don't try to do this comparison. I've told others pain is pain, grief is grief. You can't get out a measuring stick and measure it, it's not appropriate, and you would be failing anyway. You, you wouldn't be able to do it. If you're hurting, then I'm hurting. We don't need you to compare the size of our pain, compare the size of our grief. No. We bear one another's burdens in love. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to cry with you. I'm going to praise with you, right? That's what we're supposed to do as Christians. I like this, this statement, this, this quote. It says, one of the greatest tests of the degree of a person's transformation into the likeness of Christ is his reaction to the one who does evil to him. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention, at least briefly, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Right, we've got Valentine's Day on Tuesday. Again, guys, I'm just giving you a heads up. Go ahead, put your orders in on Amazon. They got the the prime two-day overnight delivery. 1 Corinthians 13 talks all about love. And I won't be too cheesy and stereotypical to take you there. I mentioned it. I can check that off my list. I actually want to quote from James. I feel the Holy Spirit has us wanting to end in James. You could stand to your feet with me just so I'll hurry along. James chapter 3, if you'd like to go there with me, let me read a, a few verses here. This is going to wrap us up so nicely for today in relationships and in wisdom in general. James chapter 3, verse 13, James writes, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy, we touched on that, and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. Does it feel like we're repeating some things? Do you know that King Solomon would have written or recorded or lived about a thousand years before James here is writing this down? I don't know about you, but who can you quote from a thousand years ago in North America Don't tell me just, you know, Roman Empire stuff. Who could you quote from a thousand years ago from North America? Maybe the Vikings coming over to attack uh, and siege the the Native American Indians? I doubt it. We think, historians think, I had to look it up. Yeah, we think that's probably what was happening. Vikings came and realized, uh uh-uh, not worth it. They left the Indians at B. My point, King Solomon writes this a thousand years ago from when James writes this. Tell me the Holy Spirit isn't the one who's lining things up and directing things. And and here, doesn't it sound like he's taking this straight out of Solomon's book? He says who is wise and understanding among you let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom but if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts do not boast and lie against the truth this wisdom does not descend from above but is earthly sensual and demonic for where envy and self-seeking exist confusion and everything are there I don't want any part of that. Verse 17. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield. There's another sign for you I forgot to put up there. Full of mercy and good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of the righteous is sown in peace by those who make peace. Man, that's what we're seeking after is the wisdom from above. I gave you some practical applications for your relationships that you are to have no part of boasting unless you're boasting in the Lord. You are to listen to your brother and sister. Please let them get a word in. Be empathetic in your listening. You are to have no part of envy or jealousy. Take it to God when you feel it rise in its ugly head. Because it will, it will. You'll you'll go through, if you're at the mountaintop now, there, there will be a valley someday, and you'll see somebody blessed, and it'll test your faith. And please, just acknowledge it to God. Give it to God. You want no part of envy. You want to make sure that you're not hiding your love. That you're you're not you're like that that speed bump that's at least warning them and giving an open rebuke in relationships because you love somebody. I'm willing to work it out. I love you enough for this open rebuke so that we can work this out. And then, as verse seven in, in Proverbs chapter twenty-seven says, can we have empathy for one another? All of this is godly wisdom that we get to apply in our life to make us sharper. Like Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so one sharpens another. That's what God wants for us. Holy Spirit brings us together so we can sharpen one another. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I thank you and praise you for who you are. I thank you for your scripture. I thank you that, that you saw fit to record these things as instruction for us, God. And I know that that's what it is. It is instruction for us. And as we approach even the book of Proverbs, we're going to take it slow. We are going to slow down. We're going to heed the signs. We're going to meditate on these things, God. I want a well-ordered life. I want healthy, strong, vibrant relationships. God, and I know that this is what you're helping us with even in these first two sermons. God, open our hearts and minds. Let us meditate on these things. Let your spirit continue to move in our homes this week. God, we thank you and praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I'll end with this. To live wisely, you must be clear-eyed about people and life, seeing life as it is, and then responding with a mind dependent on the wisdom of God. When I don't know how I'm supposed to act or respond, I need to go to the Bible. I need to glean wisdom from the Holy Spirit. There's no shortages of situations where I'm like, God, how should I respond to this? Because maybe I'm angry. Maybe I'm dealing with envy and I need to take it to God. Or maybe I'm having a hard time being empathetic for somebody because I feel like, really? Really? That's all you got. No, no, no. We seek counsel from the Bible to, to be wise in the way we conduct our life. Being wise doesn't mean we understand everything. That's, no, 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 no. We don't understand everything that's going on because of our superior knowledge, but we do the right thing as life comes along. It's like I'll end this last illustration. You're driving along. You don't, as a driver, you don't need to understand the science behind why did they make these signs? Rectangle 30 inches by 30 inches. Why did we choose the colors red, green, and yellow? Do you think about those things when you're driving? Or do you think about, hey, why'd you get in my lane? So in the Christian life, it's not about understanding why everything is happening. That's what we try to do. God, why? Why? Why is this happening? Why are you doing this? And yet we're supposed to be focused on, how am I to respond? What can I do with what I've got? What can I do with the relationships I have? I don't know why this is going on, but what does the Bible instruct me to do to have a well-ordered life, to have healthy relationships? That's our charge. It's not for you to figure out why everything's happening the way it is be encouraged in that this week be encouraged in the lord and in the scripture that you would follow the ways of the wise if you need thanks so much for listening today i just wanted to put in a quick plug here please connect with us so you can find us on facebook at the ROC Ministry. Again, just connect with us so that we can stay in touch, and please like, subscribe, share with others if you feel blessed so that we can continue sharing these sermons. God bless.